bless you. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Mike Sainz, the lead pastor here at the harbor. I'm delighted to see you. This is our final installment in the GOAT series. That is, you know, greatest of all time, as some have said. And I want to start this message today by asking a question. And the question is simply this, what's holding you back? What is it that is holding you back from being the man that God has said that you ought to be? What is it that's holding you back from fulfilling the calling of God that is upon your life? What is it that holds your company back? What is it that holds our church back? What is it that is hindering or, or creating a blockade for you or, or me or, or us in general from being everything that God has said we could be? I want you to keep that question in your mind as we go through here, and I want to give you some suggestions, if I may, as to what I think it is that holds us back and a remedy for what we can do in order to go beyond it. Isaiah 57 and 15, I'd like to take for a text. He says, For thus saith the high and lofty one, uh, one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in a high place and a holy place and with him that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Let me start by saying that God for many years has wanted you to be more than what you are. For years, I mean, in fact, before you were born, he, he had already penned what he thought you ought to be, declaring the end from the beginning. God has already in mind greater things for this church than we've ever realized, greater things for you and your Christian walk than you've ever realized or thought possible. For he wants to send revival to his people, to his church, and to his land. And we have somehow stood with our own ideas, with our own traditions handed down over the years, and we've expected God somehow to just fit into what we've molded and said, God, then this is how it ought to look when you do it. And we sang the song for years ago, you know, come Holy Spirit, I need thee. Come Holy Spirit, I pray. You know, come in thy strength and thy power, and we'd get real serious and say, and come in thine own special way. And we would sing that like we meant it and then get up and demand that he come the way we think he ought to come. And we would go to church and say, they ought to sing it the way I think they ought to sing it and he ought to preach it the way I think he ought to preach it or I ain't going to have no part of it. So what is it then that is holding us back from being what God has called us and what God has said that we can be? I want you to know the Bible says that God is nigh unto them with a broken and a contrite heart. God is near to the broken. God is near to those who are humble, not to the haughty, a proud look God despises. He cannot stand someone that thinks of themselves so high and lifted up. Those who think you have to have a stepladder to talk to them. God despises that, but I'm telling you, and so I want today, to, if I may, to reveal what I believe is what holds us back. The question is, what is holding you back? And I believe there are four spirits, four spirits 
that hold us back. I believe, you see, because God, did you know God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth according to John 4 and 24. But there is also familiar spirits. Did you know anytime there is a real spirit, there's also a counterfeit. Amen? Anytime there is something real, there is something cloned, or we call it faux. Huh? You know, you got Versace and Fosace. Y'all with me? You, you, that's, you understand. So the, 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 the four spirits that I want to deal with start, starts out with one called the spirit of Jezebel. It has nothing to do with makeup and paint for you ladies. I know some of y'all just said, whoo, man. You know, I, I hope he wasn't going to get on my Avon or my Mary Kay or whatever it is you apply. <clears throat> I don't care if you put it on with a paintbrush. It, it really doesn't make no difference to me. It has nothing to do with that. But the spirit of Jezebel is a spirit of control. It's kind of like we sang the song and said, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way, and, and all that stuff, and say, but yet do it my way. The spirit of Jezebel has said, I want to call the shots. And let me tell you a story about Jezebel. Jezebel was the wife of King Ahab. Ahab was wicked in his own right, but the Bible said he was the most wicked king to ever rule Israel, stirred up by his wicked wife, Jezebel. Now, Naboth went down to, uh, not Naboth, Ahab went down to a, uh, a guy's uh, vineyard, and this guy's name was Naboth, and he had a vineyard, and it was close to the palace of Ahab, and and. Ahab wanted that vineyard so bad. He said, man, I want that vineyard. He said, I'll tell you what, if you'll give me that vineyard, I'll give you way more than what it's worth. And if that don't seem good to you, I will give you a better vineyard in another place. And Naboth said, God forbid that I should sell my inheritance. You know, my father's left me this. I, I'm not going to sell my vineyard. Years ago, I preached a message entitled, Don't Sell Your Vineyard. But anyway, that's another story. But, but. But the king come home that night, and he was, his, he was downtrodden. His head was down. His wife says, Ahab, what's wrong with you? And he said, I went by Naboth's house today, and I made him an offer on that vineyard that I want so bad. It's close to the palace. And, and, but he told me he wouldn't sell me that vineyard, and, and there's nothing I could give him, even better vineyard. I couldn't give him any more land. or any, There was no amount of money that was going to allow him to sell that vineyard. He just wasn't going to do it. And Jezebel, here's the Jezebel spirit. Now, don't you worry your little head, honey. Just lay right here on mama. Aren't you the king of Israel? I'm going to take care of this. And here's an abuse of authority if I've ever seen it. But the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter number 21, and you'll have to find this later, but I promise you it's there. In 1 Kings 21, she went out and hired two scoundrels, two sons of Belial, that is the devil, to come in and lie in a meeting of the minds to say that they heard Naboth blaspheme the king. And the Bible says after these two lying scoundrels gave their testimony, the verdict was already in. They knew what they were going to do. It was already fixed. And, and, and sentence was passed, and they carried Naboth out and stoned him to death. She said, I told you I'd get your vineyard, honey. Go down now and possess that that you wanted, that that troubled you. Mama's got it for you, honey. So he goes down to the vineyard, and when he gets there, there's a rough-looking fellow down there. His name is Elisha the Tishbite. And he said, Hast thou now killed and now come to possess? 
Ahab looked at him and said, oh, the one that troubleth Israel. He said, I'm not the one that troubleth Israel. He said, you're the troublemaker here. It's you. He said, and I'll tell you what, the dogs will lick your blood from this chariot right now where you stand. He said, because you have lied and you have done all these terrible things. And I'm going to tell you something. It was a spirit of Jezebel that I'm going to control this I'm going to dominate this this is going to go down my way or else and so you know what how many of you know that the delay of judgment is not equal to the denial of judgment I want you to understand that that person that has done you wrong, that person that walked on you like a doormat and it seems like they're shining like gold, I promise you, let me go ahead and tell you. Did you know Elijah told Naboth, or told um, Ahab that day, he said, the dogs will lick your blood from this very chariot that you ride in right now. He said, and the dogs will eat the flesh of your wife Jezebel. Did you know some period of time had gone by? Elijah had already been taken to heaven in a whirlwind. But Jehu had been anointed king. And Jehu come to town and he looked and Jezebel had painted her face and tied her hair up. And she was up in a loft window. And he saw her and said, is that Jezebel? Is that Jehu? And he hollered to some eunuchs up there and said, throw her down. They threw her down from the third loft and she died. The dogs came and ate her flesh. Insomuch the only thing left was her skull, the palms of her hands and her feet. She was unrecognizable. I tell you the delay of judgment is not the denial of judgment. This spirit of Jezebel that was alive that thought, I'm going to get ahead. I'm going to have my way. And let me say this, Ahab, though he did not do the deal, he was involved. And I'm going to tell you what happened. You know the story of a fellow by the name of uh, Ben-Hadad. He was the Syrian general. He, in fact, there was a guy by the name of Naaman who was a, a Syrian leper. If you remember Naaman, that Elisha uh, told him to dip in Jordan River and heal him. Did you know how, uh, you know what happened? Naaman got promoted to Ben-Hadad's top commander because Naaman was on the battlefield when they were fighting Israel and King Ahab come in his chariot. And all of a sudden, on a whim, Naaman pulled a bow back and shot it toward that chariot. It hit Ahab right here. It went right through his ribs. He turned to his driver and said, take me home. Take me back home. I'm hit. I'm wounded. You know what he did? Here comes the chariot riding in. You know where they parked? Right on the same spot where years ago, Elijah the Tishbite had said, the dogs will lick your blood from the chariot that you're sitting in right now. And as his blood leaked out of his chest cavity, down into the floor and down onto the wheels, dogs came from the valley and licked the blood of a king right there. I'm telling you, the delay of judgment is not the denial of judgment. That spirit of Jezebel will kill you. That spirit that said, I'm going to have it my way. I'm going to set it up. I, you know, I, let me even tell you what, what John the Revelator said in Revelation 20 and 2. Notwithstanding, he says to the church, he said, I've got a few things against you because you suffered that woman Jezebel, which called herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication, to eat the things sacrificed to idols. He's referencing that spirit of Jezebel. Let me move on. Second spirit is the spirit of witchcraft. It happens incognito. What does that mean? Incognito is under the radar. It is, you know, beneath the surface. It's under an assumed character, under a user name. You know how you created a fake 
Facebook to get at somebody and you didn't want nobody who it was. So you sort of went incognito and made all kind of wild comments on their deal. Don't look at anybody, just look at me. It's how people, you know, they, they conceal their identity. They, they don't have the guts to say things on their own, so they say it under the guise, of, you know, under the disguise of someone or something else. I'm reminded of, of Solomon, who when he was king, he had 300 golden shields. Each one had three pounds of beaten gold. That's 900 pounds of gold, over $4 million worth of gold. And when the Egyptian army come in, and took those shields, <clears throat> his son Rehoboam come to the throne. And Rehoboam did not have the guts or the intestinal fortitude to fight Egypt and get back what his father's work ha had resulted in. And so what he did was call the guys together and made 300 brazen shields. Brass, it'll shine like gold, but if you get close enough, you'll understand that it's not gold. You see, Rehoboam replaced these with cheap imitations. You see, he, it was kind of incognito, under the radar. As long as the you know, people are looking from a distance, they ain't never going to know that we hadn't got what we used to have. As long as we'll just sort of keep shaking, as long as we'll show up every now and then, is anybody with me? Say Amen. And, but then, then nobody will know that they're not here. You see, the king commanded them. They used to, the golden shields was on display. These now are locked away, supposedly for security. It ain't for security. It's so that they cannot be scrutinized. It's so that they don't realize that they don't have what they used to have. And that's what will happen with a spirit of witchcraft. Oh, Lord. Let, let me... Let me define the spirit of witchcraft. First of all, the goal of this evil spirit of witchcraft is to dilute, to subjugate, to destroy the teachings of the Christian life. To water down everything the word of God tells us to hold up. Witchcraft defined is the technique of manipulating supernatural forces to attain one's own end. You see, the spirit of witchcraft is the counterfeit of the true spirit of God. As I said, there has to, in order for there to be a counterfeit, you've got to counterfeit something. How many of you, I remember when I was a kid, they came out with what they call New Coke. Y'all remember that? New Coke. That's why they've now got the saying, Coca-Cola, the real thing. You know why? Because Coca-Cola made New Coke, and they thought it was going to be a hit. And it did not fly. We drank that and said, that ain't the real thing there. Somebody's messed with that. And after profits began to tank and Pepsi began to rise, they said, man, let's throw that recipe out and go back to what we used to have. Let's go back and get the real thing, baby. And they begin to market it as the real thing. And I want to tell you, anytime you see a, a counterfeit, you know that there is a real somewhere. You got people acting like they're filled with the Spirit. You got people, super spiritual giants, but live like hell all week and want to tell you what to do on Sunday. <laughs> this spirit uses domination, manipulation, intimidation to control over believers and achieve its own unholy goals. They'll use anything as spirit of witchcraft. I want to tell you something. Did you know, 
God is not intimidated by some wizard. He's not intimidated by some witch. He's not intimidated by some familiar spirit, someone dominating and domineering and trying to say, I'm going to have my way or bust. Jezebel spirits don't scare God. Witchcraft don't scare God. Are y'all hearing me say amen? I remember when a witch followed the apostle Paul one day and he this thing went on two or three days. He turned around one time and cast a demon out of her and everybody got mad at him because now she ain't making no money reading poems. My Lord. So there's another spirit, and where's time going? Jezebel is one spirit. Witchcraft is another. The third spirit I want to talk about is the spirit of Absalom. Can we read in 2 Samuel 15? 2 Samuel 15, the Bible says, in the course of time, Absalom, this is King David's oldest boy, provided himself a chariot and horses with 50 men to run ahead of him. He would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate. And whenever anyone came with a complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out to them and say, what town are you from? And he would answer, your servant is here from one of the tribes of Israel. And then Absalom would say, look, your claims are valid. They are proper, but there is no representative of the king to hear you. And then Absalom would add, if only I were appointed judge in this land, then everyone who's had a complaint or a case would come to me and I uh, would see that they received justice. Also, whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. Isn't that sweet? Absalom behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice. And watch this. And so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. I, I had another thought about somebody, and it would be hundreds of years later, by the name of Judas Iscariot, who in the garden that night ran to Jesus, you know, and when he saw him, he wrapped his arms around him and kissed him. And Jesus looked him in the eye, holding him at arm's length, and said, Judas, betrayest thou thy master with a kiss? The spirit of Absalom is usually, watch this, and be offended if you like, an offended leader. An offended leader Maybe it's in your local church. Maybe it's in your business. But somebody who is in leadership that is offended and they take the hands of subordinates beneath them that answer to them and say, if I were the boss, you would have got that raise. If I were the boss, you would have got that promotion. If I were the pastor, we wouldn't be doing this. And we would do away with that. Mm, I'm feeling this one bounce a little bit. If I were the one in charge, the problem is that is the spirit of Absalom. It is an insurrection against lawful authority. Those people hate authority because authority comes from God. There is no authority except the authority that God has given. So then, if you're not careful, there's a mutiny that arises. You see, it comes up as a revolt, a rebellion, an insubordination. These people will feign fake, genuine concern 
but they're not concerned except for their own end. The Bible says that Absalom stole the hearts of Israel, not from a stranger, from his own father. Are you with me? Say amen. You, 200 of David's men, look, watch this. 200 of David's men followed after him, not even realizing or understanding what he was doing. These people either become discontented with their role of supported ministry and say, I'm going to be the big cheese. And you know something? There's a whole lot more to this big cheese stuff than you realize. Hello? I ain't no big cheese anyway, but I'm just saying if, if you want to classify it that way, I, I, I told my staff one time I just wish some people could walk around with me for about two weeks. And they might be happy to be something else, you know. But let me show you how this starts. This starts, the spirit of Absalom starts with a little offense that has not been reconciled. Now, there's one thing about me that you will learn real quick if you're around me long, and that is I believe in facing the music and dealing with it as it is. Let me just say this. Don't ever bring me anything. Well, so-and-so said this about the church, but, but don't, you can't tell them I said it. Well, don't even say it to me. Just keep it to you. Just pray about it. Because if you tell me, I am going to confront it. That's just how it is. Because you know all that does? If I can't confront an issue you bring to me, why do I got to worry and you know, lose hours of sleep at night over something I can't do anything about? That's as good as the devil wants is for somebody to stir a pot up and say, now y'all go to sleep and rest easy. My Lord. So listen, I, I want to tell you something. Nobody that's operating in the spirit of Absalom, that is a leader that's offended, would ever admit to be offended with Jesus. They, they would never be offended with Jesus, you know. But to nurse an offense against God's people is to be offended with him. Let, let me prove it to you. Jesus said, and I quote, Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Offense comes from a Greek word called scandalon. That's where we get the word scandal. And Jesus said it is impossible that offenses, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him by whom they come. It's okay to get offended. It's not okay to stay offended. Amen. Everybody has the right, the propensity uh, to get offended. Some people even have the desire to get offended. But nobody has the right to stay offended. And um, the last, so we dealt with the spirit of Jezebel. I want control. I'm going to have control. Spirit of witchcraft, incognito, underneath the radar, so nobody else knows it, but I'm working it. Spirit of Absalom, where a leader has gone rogue. And now last but not least is the spirit of a Pharisee. The spirit of a Pharisee. You know who the Pharisees were? They were the religious right of the day. They were the religious sect of the day. A Pharisee thinks, I'm who I am because of who I am. They sort of straighten themselves up, you know, real pretty. They're real proud of their robes and their phylacteries. And, you know, they, they feel like that they've arrived. I remember a story. The Bible says there was a Pharisee. He came into the temple and he said, Oh, God of Abraham, 
Isaac and Jacob. You know, and he really prayed a nice, long, sophisticated prayer. And this publican came in. I didn't say Republican. I said a publican came in. And he knelt down. He just beat his chest. He said, oh, wretched man. He wouldn't even do nothing. The Bible says God justified him because he didn't think he was nothing. That's why God is near to the broken. He's near to the humble and those who have an easy spirit. The the Pharisee thinks they're going to be saved because of their works. The Pharisaical spirit is what killed Abel. You see, Cain thought he was entitled. It crucified Jesus. It stoned Stephen, tried to finish Paul. To the Pharisee, Jesus was a stumbling block because salvation through his shed blood would do away with their earning their reward and saying, look at me. You see, if Jesus paid it, Jesus gets credit. And the Pharisee couldn't live with that. They loved darkness rather than light. Their salvation was by works. Jesus pronounced a woe upon them by saying, you hypocrites, you Pharisees, you are like unto whited sepulchers. You make the outside pretty, but inside is still dead men's bones. He says, uh, you Pharisees, you love the praises of men. You love position. You love honor. And you insist on the ruling of your tradition and your laws. The Pharisaical demon masquerades uh, as one who is super spiritual. They have all the dreams. They have all the revelations. They have all the tongues and all the spiritual songs. And I'm not against those things. But I've met the kind that had a word every time. Hello? Yep. I met the time that shook and stammered. And I'm not against that. I have shook and stammered and fell out in the spirit. I've done it all. But I'm going to tell you there's a difference in what is real and genuine and the power and the spirit of God and somebody trying to work up some emotionalism. Oh, man, let me try to tie this up. There's another service. These spirits despise authority because authority comes from God. They feel too spiritual to be corrected. Who are you to tell me? Uh You must not know who I belong to. You must not know what degree I have, nor do I care. You must not know what university I attend, nor do I care. Hello? <laughs> I'm not against education. I got a little bit. I'm not against, uh, you know, the, the, the hierarchy and, and, and the ladder that you climb to be successful. But when it comes to that pharisaical spirit that says, look what I have done. Oh, God has no tolerance for it. These spirits despise authority. They feel too spiritual to be corrected. They exalt their own opinions. And then they become bitter and critical and censorious of anybody who has another opinion. Isn't it amazing how that you don't even have the right to be heard no more because their opinion's right before you even open your mouth? Wow. Notice what Jesus said about it. For I say unto you, Matthew 5 20, except your righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees and the scribes, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. 
But woe unto you, scribes and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye any that are trying to enter in. In other words, you're on your way to hell, and you want everybody else to go with you. And God sent me here to tell you that there are four demon spirits that are keeping you from achieving all that God has called you to be. It is the spirit of Jezebel. It is the spirit of witchcraft. It is the spirit of Absalom and the spirit of a Pharisee. But I will tell you one more. There is the Holy Spirit. There is the spirit of the living God. Amen. There is one. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Stand with me if you will. It is not by might. It is not by power. But it is by my spirit, says the Lord. The Holy Spirit of God. So if you're here today and you've been oppressed by that Absalom spirit or that spirit of witchcraft or Jezebel or the Pharisee, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want you to know those demon spirits are here to kill you. And they're not going to hold up a flag like they do in an airport saying, I'm out to kill you. No. But they're going to fly underneath the radar. And they're going to do everything they can to make you disgruntled with your Christian friends, with your brothers and sisters. They're going to do everything they can to, to, to take you out, period. I'm here to tell you, the Holy Spirit, God's not intimidated by no familiar spirit. God's not intimidated by the spirit of Jezebel or none of that. No, 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 not at all. God is here to set free. So if you're here right now, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and you've been battling one of those spirits that I've mentioned, can I see your hand real quick? It's just me and you. Several hands have gone up. How about let me just give you a second because time is of the essence, but I want to pray for you. Saints of God, I want you to pray with me. And here it is, Father, in the name of Jesus. Your word says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I've been told by many that you're always bound, that you'll always be a drug addict, that you'll always be an alcoholic. But I read something to the contrary that said, with my Jesus sets me free. I am truly free. I am free indeed. And Lord, for everyone that is bound by the spirit of Jezebel right now, everyone bound by the spirit of witchcraft, the spirit of Absalom, or the spirit of a Pharisee. In the name of Jesus, I command that spirit right now to go. God, may the spirit of the living God permeate this place. In the name of Jesus. Come on, sing that out with me. Where the spirit of the Lord is.